I think of Jesus stepping in. He didn't just cross culture. He he became part of a culture that was not well loved or liked. Welcome to Listener. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Today is part two of Love God, Love People, featuring Tabitha Morales. Is there anyone that you'd like to hear featured on Listener? Email me at samantha.holland at crew.org. Enjoy the show. So you're talking about being Latino in Christ. Is that correct? Or did you say Mi Casa Uptown? Because now I have both of them in my head. I'm reading Mi Casa Uptown. But talk, you can talk about whichever one. Yeah, so being Latino in Christ is Orlando Crespo. Okay. Um, with InterVarsity. He's the La Fe uh, president. Um, and so he's actually a missionary in my parents' church that my parents' church support in Manhattan. And we have been going to that church since I was in college. And I've met him a few times. And he's like, you should read it. And I was like, ah, I know how to be Latino in Christ. Hello, I'm Puerto Rican and I'm a Christian. Like, why do I need to read that? <laughs> so, uh, but that actually, that book helped me learn a lot about my own culture also and where people could potentially be in their culture journeys and how reaching Hispanics really could. When we talk about reach students and reach the world, you know, or reach whoever segment of society you reach the world, I definitely saw the argument for you reach Hispanics, you reach the world. Just Mm. is, it's really awesome. Why? Um, Why is that? Because of specifically with Puerto Ricans, but all Hispanics and Latinos, the the people that they come from are more than one. So we see someone from Ecuador as an Ecuadorian. And there's so much more than that in their culture, right? When we think of this land, the Americas that we sit on, and the natives that inhabited all of this land, those people then were merged in that they were, I mean, in a sad way, either raped or, or taken from homes, right? And Maybe they were um, blended with African slaves that were also taken. Either way, all of that history has come through and is now what you would say is whether it's Ecuadorian, Salvadoran, right, Venezuelan, Puerto Rican, whoever. And so a lot of us uh, just have various different ethnic backgrounds even within our own selves. And so what that usually means is they can interact. People, even let's just say the island of Puerto Rico themselves, right, a Commonwealth of America, the United States, a uh, U.S. citizens. They have the citizenship that can take them almost anywhere, the U.S. passport. They have U.S. passports, Social Security, right? They pay taxes. They can they can do a lot with that kind of power, mm. but they have the culture of the Caribbean, the culture of Latin America, the culture of Africa. And they can literally culturally step into any of those places, even in Europe, fairly easily and and connect really well. And maybe even then taking a step further into Asia, where there are a lot of Asian immigrants for years on that went to South America, right? And so you just, we can literally go to any part of the world and kind of blend right in and relate culturally uh, while having the the U.S., like, or my, how Dr. Bob says it, the Roman citizenship. (laughs) Dr. Bob is the president of crew in Puerto Rico, (laughs) right? And so it's like we have the Roman citizenship and yet the Jewish like culture and the bloodline. And Mm -hmm. so imagine that many Pauls walking around. If they were to know Jesus, wow, Mm -hmm. the amount of people that can easily be like, I can go into countries and wear a hijab and just no one could tell where I'm from at all. Right. And I can go places that they won't see. They, they, 
they know I'm not white, so they don't think I'm Christian, but I have a U.S. passport. So it like kind of confuses people. So just great opportunities there. And um, yeah, so I think Orlando Crespo gets into that with his book, Being Latino in Christ. Rich Perez, so I love Rich. He was my pastor for a year of transition in my life. Um, and his church uh, really just rocked my world and what it meant to be a church who really lived out the gospel in their community. I remember going to one sermon at his church for the very first time and uh, someone, they, were, they had just done basketball really early in the morning with kids in the neighborhood. These kids that were playing basketball, they just, hey, why don't you, like, even in your sweats, like, don't get dressed, just come with us to church. They're about to start the service. <laughs> so they would come in right after worship. You'd see them kind of finishing off a game, coming in sweaty and dressed in basketball shorts, whatever, sitting there. And I remember Pastor Rich is starting to share and he's speaking very down to earth. A lot of us have heard him speak, right? He's come to crew conferences and things. And so speaking very real, very uh, clear English. It doesn't sound um, confusing or it's not hard to grasp for anyone. And one of the students or a kid, a high schooler, I think, he just raises his hand. Like, excuse me, I have a question. And this is like the middle of the sermon. I'm like, uh, what's he going to do? Pastor Rich is like, yeah, what's up, man? And just answers his question right there. Like, hey, this is a seeker, someone who doesn't know the Lord, but he's in the midst of the saints. And we're not going to use our religious rules to say we don't ask questions in the middle of sermons. Mm -hmm. That man is seeking God. Hmm. And so he answered, I think he answered him once or twice. And he was like, man, we should get together after this. All right, we're not finished speaking. Come get me so we can hook up and have a lunch or something. And so he was able to like kind of stop the question so he can continue the sermon, but he did it in a way that loved the man, that cared for his soul, that cared for him where he was and made him feel accepted. And so Pastor Rich, if he does anything I want to see, I want to check it out. And so when he wrote this book, I was like, okay, I have to read this immediately. Um, initial thoughts are that I love him. So the book's probably going to be great. And he, he's Dominican. I'm Puerto Rican, so that it, there are some differences, although not that many, which is really funny. <laughs> um, but he talks a lot about his life growing up in New York City and what that looks like. He he goes through the hardships of now coming back as an adult with his, raising his children there and seeing some issues of gentrification happening in the neighborhood where mom and pop shops and locals who are working hard are being pushed out. Uh, people can't necessarily pay the rent as they're upgrading things, but not keeping it for the people who are already there. He addresses immigration, um, the poor, the uneducated, the second generation Americans, those who are often marginalized. And he talks about our duty as citizens to really love and care for people who are marginalized. Um, and he, I love how he talks about those who are in the hyphen, right? Mm -hmm. The um, hyphen American, so Puerto Rican American, African American, whatever it is, like those in the hyphen, uh, the second generation Americans. And he he defends them and he's speaking up for them. And he's like, that is our job, right? The widow and the orphan. But scripture is not just that. That's not the only scripture in all of what we call our Bible that talks about caring for those who are on the margin. And so he really does go into it. And I feel like in some ways, this book is a part two to being Latino in Christ mm. in some ways. It's like for the next generation um, because he looks at the city. Often people, you think about going to spend a day with the Lord. If I say you could go anywhere in the world to spend a day with the Lord, often people will think of a beautiful mountain, maybe a lake, right, grassy hills. 
and they say, I want to go experience God in the nature, like he created this. I want to sit in his creation. And yet Pastor Rich brings out how interesting it is that God's highest creation is people. Hmm. It's not the earth. It's not the sky. It's not the birds. It's not the sea creatures or the creatures of the earth. He created all those. But the only thing he said was very good are people. And that is way more important to him. And if you really want to get to know God and spend time with God, people is where he says you can do that. And so I love how Pastor Rich brings this out, how like really, if we want to worship God, we should go into a city that's bustling and busy and just observe his creation and enjoy and worship him and honor him in that. And so how do we worship God with our neighbors? He challenges me, my mind in like ways that I was like, ay, ay, this is, it speaks to my heart language, you know, coming from the city and, um, and it, it still sharpens me still as a believer who, yeah, you're right. I love this. I love the nature sometimes and just being able to sit in peace, but there is something about really getting to know a person and understanding them and letting them understand you that it just, yeah, your relationship with God, I feel like can even get deeper just from that. Well, and I love the part where he talked about the two times in scripture where Jesus wept and he says, Mm -hmm. once was of course, when he's with Mary and Martha and he hasn't raised Lazarus from the dead yet, but they're all grieving. So he's grieving Mm -hmm. over his friends, over people. But the other time Mm -hmm. we see him weep is over the city Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. Jesus loved individuals, but Mm -hmm. he also loved corporately the city and all Mm -hmm. the people together, not just as individuals. Yes. Yeah. Towards the end, I won't ruin it for you too much, but towards the end, he talks about the city again in Jerusalem, right? The new city and in Revelation, the new city that is not like, why does God and so often in scripture, why do we see the city as such a significant thing? Mm-hmm. But yet we're all running from the city or we're like, I hate the mm. city. Or we talk about it in a way that's like, man, those people that live there or whatever. It just, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my favorite chapters were four and six. I probably got to go back and re-listen. I'm, I did his audiobook mm. because I mm-hmm. uh, love how he speaks. And so I thought that would be fun to listen to. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. He does a good culmination of the city and how God specifically designed it for a reason <laughs> and, and values it for a reason and values the people in it very, very highly, more than we honestly do as a church. When we don't mourn together, when we don't grieve together, that life that was taken, then for whatever reasons, then we're not, we're not being the, the people that God created, that God designed us to be. He desires that we would do that, right? That's what he did when Cain killed his brother. He mourned and grieved and said, no more. That was not okay. And for us to not act that way, yeah, we're just, we're not loving God and loving people. That's his heart. Mm-hmm. He loves people. Yeah. Well, this idea of culture keeps coming up in our conversation. I just read an article by Sam Chan in Christianity Today, and it's called mm-hmm. Even the Son of God Became Enculturated. So mm-hmm. it's just this idea that um, even Jesus, he says, became a first century Jewish male. And. Mm-hmm. He lived in Roman-occupied Second Temple Palestine, and he grew up in a working-class family. I mean, even Jesus can't escape culture. (laughs) We all bring culture to the table 
And so I would just love your thoughts on what does Jesus himself teach us about culture, about transcending culture or crossing culture? Um, Because I know that you've just moved to Orlando to take on this role that has to do with culture, (laughs) oneness, diversity. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. I'm like, Pastor Richie, you have to write a book about how great New York City is, right? When I'm moving away. <laughs> I've always been in Jersey, but at least I was just right there over the river, you know, just, just right there. And now you're crossing uh, cultures my, big time. Now I'm crossing cultures big time. Although I will say there's a lot of Puerto Ricans here from what I've heard. So I've already uh-huh. heard Spanish a couple of times at the supermarkets and things like that. Oh, I was nice. like, Yay. feels like home. Uh, but it's really funny. Oh man, crossing culture. Jesus teaches us so much on this. So yeah, from, from day one of his birth and even before when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit's already making the way, you know, and speaks. And when John the Baptist like jumps in his mother's womb, we see that Jesus is going to come into a space that is not very well loved or liked, right? The, The idea of being born in Nazareth, um, that the place no one was interested in that was sort of meh on the sides. And so, I mean, I always thought of, I connected with that a lot being from the Bronx, the Bronx is like quote, the worst borough, the poorest borough, the, mm. the borough with the most, like, I mean, it's where hip hop was born, but <laughs> people don't usually celebrate that as a good thing. Right. It's not like classical music or whatever. It's hip hop or it's gang violence or it's yeah. And so when I think of Jesus stepping in, he didn't just cross culture. he, he became part of a culture that was not well loved or liked. Um, and he stepped into a skin color and a space and ethnicity, a time in the world where he would have just enough power to be able to speak into things, right? Because if he was a woman, uh, which is insane just to even think about that. I'm not trying to go anywhere yeah. blasphemous, but, mm-hmm. you know, just just thinking that, like if he was of a, if he was a, a hybrid, if you would you know, if he yeah. had multiple ethnicities, if he, yeah, there's so many other things he could have stepped in, which would have almost been too far. And re- like, God is just sovereign. He knows exactly where he's going to go. Yeah. But he's God <laughs> and he is, he is fully God. And for him to say, I'm going to be fully man and lay down my rights so that I even don't wipe my own bottom. Like, <laughs> like I have to relearn to, I have to learn to walk how you as a human have to learn to walk. I have to learn to respect an adult that I created uh, the way that you as a human would have to respect adult, even though you didn't create them, they, you came from their bodies, right? Like that is so beyond what we can, when we think of someone crossing culture, he lays down, he, he defines crossing culture as sacrifice. And he does that from his birth all the way to his death. And I think it's just beautiful to, to imagine. I remember in college, uh, one of the student leaders described it as it's, it's like, if we as a human were decide we are going to now, and this is so, I hate this analogy. So I'm so mad. I'm even bringing it up. But the idea that, (laughs) we would become a cockroach to save all the cockroaches. Mm. It's like that other, you know, it's so bizarre um, because he's so holy and awesome and divine and he had it all. He was in heaven. (laughs) He had it all, but that is how much he loves. And I can only liken it very 
very uh, not well, right? No analogy works, but I think I can only liken it to a man saving because he loves his soon-to-be bride so much that he he sacrifices his entire bank account, right, to then ask a question like, will you marry me? Like he sacrifices all of what he has simply to propose a relationship that we could be in. Like he becomes this human. He lives in this space. He gets stoned and persecuted and run out of his own town. And he has to like abandon his family. And he, he has no family. He has no place to lay his head. He, he has nothing but what God provides for him on that, in that day, in that moment, as he's walking through the field, whatever he picks to eat. Like he, he is nothing and he does that simply so that he can ask us a question, like basically so that he, we can be in relationship with him, knowing that we could probably say no. And he's still willing to do that. And so the sacrifice means like crossing culture means you don't even know that they'll accept you. You don't know that you'll be received. You don't you you are not going to necessarily change who you are, because remember, while God, Jesus Christ was fully human, he is still God and fully God. And so he didn't change himself, right? He's not a new thing for the sake of us. Like he is still who he is. And when he needs to have his divine attributes shown, he did them, right? Bringing Lazarus, you mentioned earlier, so many different things. And so I think at the same time, sometimes crossing culture is scary because we think we have to become someone new, but I don't, I don't see Jesus doing that. He doesn't become someone new. He takes on a new culture and he lives in that culture, but he still is who he is and who he's always been from the garden and before, before we can imagine. And so I think crossing culture, it means sacrifice. It means changing, not changing who you are, but simply still being who you are, but stepping into a new space that may be uncomfortable and maybe difficult, but willing to stay there for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of making Jesus Christ famous, right? Like he did it so that he would be made known, period, and then ultimately famous, we do it now that he is known, hopefully in some places, maybe not in others, but just that he would be made famous. And so I think of specifically when I think of crew crossing culture, I think of stepping into places that make us uncomfortable, um, but still being who we are, right? We're not changing who crew is and what we're about for the sake of crossing culture. When we think about diversity, it's some people get scared, like, oh, no, we're going we're gonna to be different. We're going to change. Some ethnic minorities, like people of color, get scared thinking, ooh, do we all have to assimilate and become the same? I was like, no, no, I think we all stay who we are because that's who God created us to be. And it's in ourselves and who he created us to be when we're fully us that he gets most glorified. It's most beautiful. It's that palette of colors that he put together to create Sam that's so unique that when she is who she is and allows that to fully come out, that piece of the canvas of the whole picture of all of history of eternity wow, it's going to shine. And it can't look identical to Tabitha because that'd just be weird. Like it, it, it's not going to shine. It's not going to be exactly how he intended. And so, yeah, I think of him like painting the portraits of our lives to be unique. And so I think even as crew, as an organization, as a mission force, we still are unique. We have unique, you know, spaces like gain or Jesus film, family life, campus, whatever have you. We have unique spaces. We could uniquely be ourselves. But when we do it together... When we do it in a way that sees God's fame as priority, we still keep who we are, but we use those things to highlight each other, right? And to sort of, you think about the body. The body is beautiful. You take away pieces. It can still be beautiful, but you still need, you need to 
um, supplement for those other things, right? And so if we try to take out different things or we try to make everything the hand, we're going to have a hard time walking around and talking <laughs> and seeing, and right? And so mm-hmm. just being all of who we are, but being together, that can bring God some amazing fame, amazing glory. And we see that in Acts 2, probably my favorite chapter ever, like of all of scripture, just not just uh, people get scared of Acts 2 because of the tongues. But we see the last <laughs> few verses in 42 through 47, you see that people were from every language. They were from all over. They were all Jews. They were there for a festival. They're from everywhere. And yet as they're speaking, the purpose of them being able to understand each other, the whole purpose of tongues, is so that God is made famous and community is formed. So they're still staying who they are. But a few verses in verse 42 through 47, we see that the community had awe on them and the community had favor on them, that they were together every day. They ate together. They studied scriptures. They prayed. They were in the temple together. They did, they did everything together. And then the community, people outside of them said, wow, that's cool, and had favor on them. I don't know, gave them discounts at the local <laughs> shop, whatever it was. They had The church was favored. Yeah. And I'm thinking that. I'm like, is crew favored? Is the Mm. U.S. evangelical church favored right now? You know, are we uniquely who we are from every different nation? These are people from everywhere, but speaking the same language of loving God and loving people. And if we were, I mean, according to that scripture, 3,000 right after Peter preached and then even more, daily it says the Lord added to the number day by day those who are being saved. That's just an like insane and it all and, goes I mean, back they to were the holy spirit cultures. like you were saying the holy spirit yeah. is fueling this exactly. whole thing and that was my big aha when i came on staff with crew just like yours was like oh my yeah. gosh the the holy spirit the spirit filled life this is it yeah that's how we're yeah, able to do that them Yep. And he leads us into these crazy places, right? Like he never, he's leading us into things that are often difficult or scary or new, but it's all for his fame's sake. The Holy Spirit's purpose is not to make us feel good or comfortable or feel saved. His purpose is to make himself famous, to make Jesus Christ famous. The Holy Spirit's purpose, right? In all of Acts we see is to make Jesus Christ famous. And, and that's the first thing he does in really right after his ascension, He's like, okay, now that Jesus has ascended, my job here is to help you not forget who he was, what he's done, and what he's still doing today. Okay. And then like through us, right, if we, if we allow himself, if we allow him to be our mouthpieces so that we can then love God and love people well, well, like engaging and caring and looking and learning and seeing and understanding and then acting on their behalf, then wow. Yeah, I think that can do amazing things if we could just allow the Holy Spirit to let us cross those cultures, allow him to let us go into a new space. So, Tabitha, I know you're new in your role. You just moved down to Orlando from Jersey. But as you look ahead and think about the role that you're playing on the diversity, oneness and diversity team, uh, yes. Where are you seeing growth or glimmers of hope in this area of oneness and diversity? And where do we feel stuck? Yeah, that's, that's a big question. Okay, so <laughs> it's okay. I've had time to think about this just as I've been pre- preparing for my roles this last year. is just on support, um, just working on MPD, excuse me, MPD, mm-hmm. uh, developing my team of people behind me and 
I think where, because I've had time to do that, where I find hope and where I see hope is there, there are actually more staff very excited about this, uh, willing to invest. They're like, we want to see this organization change. And I think that's encouraging, I hope, to, to those who are helping lead, those who are in executive positions and national positions. Like, there are some staff, there are a good amount of staff who are behind this and who are like, we want to see ourselves not just in our comfortable spaces, but in spaces within the United States that are sometimes scary to go to because we want to see the gospel go there. We want to see those people reached. They, we look in the crowds, right, and have compassion like Jesus did. And so I have hope that there are people who are really passionate and are seeing this as a as a biblical issue, right? That nothing I've said is because it'd be really great to be diverse, like if we're Coca-Cola, no offense to Coca-Cola, but like yeah, it'd be nice to be diverse, but like why, right? Why did it look like that in Acts 2? And why did so many people come to Christ? It's something worth investigating, something worth looking at. Why does Jesus keep talking about nations? Why is that mentioned in scripture? Mm-hmm. Why is it in Revelation 5, 7, where we see people from different languages and ethnicities and every nation under the sun in heaven together worshiping God? They're together, but they're still unique, their own ethnicities. Side note our ethnicity go with us into heaven. Like that's significant. Like our marriages don't, that doesn't go right. Like right. that's a huge thing. Well, but what do somehow, we value? Isn't it somehow also because we're image bearers, it's a reflection of who God is. Yes. Yes. A beautiful reflection of his unique, uh, colorful, creative sense. His values are all of our, right? The values that we get, where do we think we get them from? Right. And so, yeah, oh, it's a beautiful thing to even imagine. So I think there is hope because we serve a living God who desires these things. I think there's hope because I see his work in people's hearts, staff that I've met, that I've interacted with. I see his, his hope in their heart and their, his purpose and his vision and his mission, his plan, like implanted in them and their eyes being opened. Um, bright spots, things like lenses and impact training and staff desiring to go to those and staff lives transformed. Like I've had the honor of being able to help um, to facilitate a lenses in New York City uh, last year with Jeff and Jeff Chan. And I'm going to do that again this upcoming year. And I'm just really excited because I think God is using that. It's just such a, it becomes a very, I want to be careful with the word safe, but it becomes a Christian space is how I'll say it, because in a Christian space, you can love each other and challenge each other to be better, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're truly Christ-like, we don't just love each other and let the sin go. We, or let the, even, even if it's just like, Hey, I saw you look more than once, you know, like Hmm. you didn't, you didn't touch her. You didn't do anything wrong, but you, I saw like, how are you doing? Like, let me, let me Hmm. edify you. How about that? And so lenses becomes a place of edification where people can engage in a loving way to sharpen each other. And, and later those things are followed up with conversations that they're having. I see in campus with culture and mission, uh, they are desiring to, they have cultural coordinators now, people who will help staff teams think through, uh, I don't, how do we even talk about this conversation? How do we engage? Where do we start? What book do we read? What do we do as a team? Um, I see it in family life. They're trying to develop right now a system where they can think through training for people in regard to crossing culture in regard to thinking of their own culture. That's a huge thing. I read. So one of the not so bright spots, um, that I think is key. I would love to see 
uh, white staff know, learn, understand their ethnicities because they're not white. White is a thing that was created later on, right? We're like, we just bunch people together. It's like saying all black people are black. Like all black people are African where you got people from all different countries, right? Um, Caribbean would not, you can't call a Haitian African-American. It doesn't work like that. And so I, I'd love for European Americans, people, Caucasians to see, yes, oh, I have an ethnicity. I have a culture. Because somewhere down the line, somebody came here on a boat. Someone <laughs> in your family, mm-hmm. right? We weren't, we weren't just, unless you're native, someone came here somewhere on a boat. And so who, who are they? What, what did they value? What did they eat? How did they sing? How did they dance? What did they care about? Mm-hmm. Who, who did they interact with on a regular basis? What did their family life look like? Their work life look like? Uh, there's so much in there in regard to culture that I think can just be beautiful. And I think that's a huge um, hump. I think if we can get through that, if we can see it and conquer it and learn it and understand it, then we can actually continue to press. We can continue to step forward because... Uh, stepping forward together where you're just learning me ultimately feels like a, a zoo, like a, an experiment, uh, you know, just uh-huh. like you're just studying me, you're learning me. Yep. That's great. But then I, as a person of color, think I got nothing to learn because I know me, you know. But meanwhile, one, there are other ethnicities, right? Because I'm not Asian. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm not African-American. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm not African. I'm Puerto Rican, right? There's so many different things. Um, but also seeing, oh, wait, within white culture, there are also lots of different ethnic cultures. What are those ethnicities? Where do they come from? What are those spaces? And I think if we journey together down this cultural path, I think it'll feel less of us versus them. And I think it'll feel more of like we together as a body of Christ learning who we are to honor God in our ethnicity and glorify him in our unity together. I think that'd be awesome. So I think that is a huge hump that we have, huge hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Obviously sin and the enemy and (laughs) Mm -hmm. using other things to divide us. I think he is, he knows how to divide us, right? And he's constantly on the lurk looking for things. I think when we start to feel invaluable, I I wonder if that's going to be something where majority culture men even specifically will start to feel invaluable. Um, but that's where I go back to the body, the body of Christ. If we are truly the body, no piece of the body is invaluable. We need every piece of the body. And so knowing that in this world that we live in, yeah, can we love each other well, learn ourselves and learn others? And, you know, it goes back to the heart of a leader, love God, love self, love others. Like it just really is to understand yourself truly know who God created in you to understand your God and know who he loves and what he wants to do and to understand others and then learn how to love and engage with them 